We have been working our way through the book of Isaiah uh, since the beginning of July. We're coming near to the end, uh, but there's a wee thought I would like to share with you uh, from Isaiah 54. Uh, but first, I've been drawn back to this quote in recent months, uh, and it says this. It says, while it looks like things are out of control behind the scenes, there is a God who hasn't surrendered his authority. A quote by Tosa there. And uh, it's just made me thinking several times in recent months, uh, though things look uncertain, though things look out of control, though often at times we're not quite sure what's happening or what is going to happen, it says we can still trust a God who hasn't surrendered uh, his authority. Just to give you a bit of context into Isaiah 54, last week we looked at the suffering servant, how Isaiah prophesied about Jesus coming as the Messiah uh, to save people from their sins, that work that simply uh, was God promised to do and he spoke 700 years before Jesus actually came and uh, one of the things that Isaiah does in his letter is he takes the message that God has for one group of people the Jews uh, and opens it up to the whole world and, and Isaiah is really sharing and as we're moving to chapter 54 this is what this is about that the message of the gospel today is for every nation for every person, every tribe, every tongue, there is nobody uh, that the message of the gospel can't be shared with and it's not applicable to uh, today. So at the start of Isaiah 54, God wants to remind them of a few things that he's already said to them about being the creator and that really summed up in this, that God alone creates all things, he maintains them in being, he controls them in operation and he guides them to the destiny that he uh, points that God is simply in control. He is the one who's taking care of things, looking after things, maintaining things. But at the end of the chapter uh, that we're looking at today, God makes this great promise to the people, a promise that we can apply to our lives today in verse 17. When it simply says this, it says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. There's seven powerful words there that are written. Uh, we have to remember that the group of people here are ready to make a journey to go back to Jerusalem. Uh, they have been 50 years in exile at this point. And so God wants to give them some comfort, some assurance, some security. And before they go on this journey, this prophecy is given to them that no weapon formed against them will prosper. And obviously when God says that to them, it brings a comfort to them because they were experiencing great affliction and adversity. And for those of us today as believers who are experiencing great affliction and adversity, those are words of encouragement and comfort to me and you, because when we are weighed down by trials and shaken by the storms of life, we must remember that these are the very conditions that God shows compassion upon his children. And he draws near to us to spirit, spiritually strengthen you and me in the circumstances that we face. I've said this twice already this morning. I'm going to say again, there will never be a time when the, there will be op where there won't be any opposition to what the church is doing, to what Christians are doing. Uh, we live in a world where there is that opposition. And it says our job is to overcome that opposition because we have God on our side. As a matter of fact, we have more than God on our side. God is for us. And though those people at the moment uh, would tell you through uh, social media, the BBC, 
News, Twitter, anything else that you would read, would turn around and tell you all this bad news and stuff. You know, God is still in control and delivering the good news. He's still in control delivering the good news. His purpose is still the same. But we come back to this verse here of no weapon shall formed against you shall pro- sorry, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And there's three just quick things I would like to share with you because it relates to us today. The first one is this, the weapon will be formed. That simply means it doesn't say that there will never be a weapon formed against you. It means there will be a weapon. We will come against opposition. There will be battles that we have to fight as believers. So we know that the weapon will be formed. The second thing is, is weapons are used to attack. If you have a weapon on you, it's usually because you're going to attack somebody. I hope nobody sort of relates to that by having a weapon on them or spends their time attacking anybody. Or, But the point of it is this, is weapons are used to attack. Armour is used to defend. And later on, we'll look at Ephesians 6, and we'll look at the armour of God, and that's used to protect us and defend us. But weapons are simply used uh, to attack. And the third thing we see is this, because we know that that doesn't mean that there are not weapons for against us. God sometimes allows the weapon to strike because it brings a greater good out of what God is going uh, to do. It says the Christian life is not a life where we can pretend it's pain-free and there will never be any obstacles or battles that we don't have to face or go through. It says, but the advantage or the blessing in a sense, as Jackie has touched on this morning, is God never wastes anything. Any, Every opportunity or every circumstance or situation we go through where we're feeling attacked, where we're feeling like we're in a battle, God can use for his good. Uh, and, and so that brings us on to this uh, idea of, of what, does, what is used against us to attack us. Because it says it will not prosper, it will not succeed, simply because God is on our side. There is nothing that will defeat us. And so should it be the weapon of anxiety? Should it be the weapon of fear? Should it be the weapon of depression? Should it be the weapon of guilt and forgiveness, lies, gossip, rumours, uh, your past or anything? Anything else that is used to attack you. God promises that though the weapon be formed, the weapon will not prosper against you because you are one of God's children in Christ Jesus. And so we can trust in that today in all the circumstances and situations. But what do I base this truth on? What do I base this verse on? Well, I base this verse simply on this truth that simply the provision is always in the promise. The Bible is full of many promises. God makes many promises in the Bible. And it says one of the things we have to be careful of sometimes, and people will say to you that every promise of the Bible is for all of us all the time. Well, I don't think that's correct. I think there are some promises that are for us, some promises aren't for us. Probably I would look at it like this as it comes before you. The first one is some promises God has already kept. And we can see that in Isaiah because we know that Isaiah speaks of God sending Jesus as the Messiah. Messiah. And that promise has been fulfilled. So therefore, that promise has already been kept. Uh, some promises God is keeping now. Uh, so if I turn to you and say, he's always with us, he's our anchor, he's our strength, he's our refuge. Those are promises that God makes. And he's keeping them now for us, towards us, in the lives that we are living. The third thing we see is this, some promises God will keep in the future. Because God promises a future with no more death or 
or mourning or crying or pain. As Christians, we live in hope of the expectation of the future. We put our faith and our trust in God, knowing not in a sense that things will get better, but that God is in control of everything that we face. And ultimately, we know that the promise that God makes us is when we pass from this earth, when we breathe our last here, says the promises that we spend eternity with him in heaven. So how can I tell what kind of promise this is in, in verse 17 and Isaiah? Well, what we do is we examine scripture because what we must understand is the Bible interprets the Bible. And there's lots of times that Christians will interpret the Bible by the BBC News, Sky News, Twitter, Facebook, every other uh, thing that's available to them without looking at, at, at what the scripture actually says. And it's important for us to understand the Bible interprets the Bible. What do I mean by that? I simply mean that we can read something in one place of the Bible and see the fulfillment of that promise in another part of the Bible. God promises a son to Abraham in Genesis 17. We read the promise for field in Genesis 21. We read the promise of a Messiah suffering in Isaiah 53. We see that promise fulfilled in Matthew 27. We read the promise of blessing to all nations in Genesis 12. Galatians 3 tells us that that promise is coming true for all who trust Jesus. So we see that the Bible interprets the Bible. We examine the Bible by reading the Bible and realizing that God is fulfilling his word as he goes along. How do we know God is faithful today? Because God has been faithful yesterday. How do we know God will be faithful tomorrow? Because he's been faithful uh, today. And so we move on a little bit because there's a lot of things that happen sometimes and, and, and people base their, their, their promises of of God, excuse me, upon lots of different things. I want us to understand this when we read this verse in, in Isaiah 54, verse 17. I have come to this conclusion that God has not promised protection from physical enemies in this life. I'll explain what I mean. The Apostle Paul, uh, in 2 Corinthians 4, he writes to the church there and he tells them of his ministry experience, his life experience. He simply says, at one point I was shipwrecked, I was beaten, I was left for dead, I was whipped. And all these things that he talks about that he simply says, you know, these were the things that my physical enemies did to me. Now, did it hinder him or stop him from doing the ministry of God? No. What we have to be careful of is we don't apply this hocus-pocus Christianity that people turn around, particularly in this time that we're living in at the moment, when people say to you, and people have said this to me, when they come and say, I'm not wearing a mask or I'm not wearing uh, doing what I'm being asked to do and stuff and because the blood of Jesus Christ protects me. I, I want to share with you today that nowhere in scripture does it say that the blood of Jesus Christ will protect us. And now you can come back to me and say, wrong. I'll tell you what it does say though. It says it tells us that the blood of Jesus Christ will forgive us. It tells us the blood of Jesus Christ will deliver us from sin. It tells us the blood of Jesus Christ will redeem us. It tells us that the blood of Jesus Christ will save us. But nowhere does it tell us that somehow in the middle of a pandemic when we're advised to do certain things just to plead the blood of Jesus Christ. It's hocus pocus Christianity as far as I'm concerned. Just because the Bible says you can pick up snakes and drink deadly poison doesn't mean you go looking for snakes and poison. Um, it would be the sort of Christian that turns around and says, well, I don't need to wear a seatbelt in a car because God is protecting me. God is protecting you by wearing a seatbelt in a car. I'm reminded of a story of a man who got onto a flight and the stewardess comes round to him 
and says, sir, you must put your seatbelt on. He looks at the stewardess and says, I don't need a seatbelt, I'm Superman. The stewardess turns to him, Superman didn't need the plane, put the seatbelt on. <laughs> and the reality of it is often that's at times the way people, uh, believers can behave, that somehow we take this ultra, uh, almost this ultra faith, this hyper faith people have and look into scripture more than it actually says. And I put that quote there because it simply is true sometimes of what people do. Well, just because it says that we can pick up snakes and drink deadly poison doesn't mean you leave church today, go home and drink a bottle of bleach because the Bible says you're protected from it. Doesn't mean that. And it says you'll be surprised how many people will do and, and look at that thing and says, well, what that means that. It doesn't mean that. It says often we miss what the Bible is trying to say. We should take sensible precautions we need to have wisdom in our life. We lock our doors at night. We seek to live at peace with people. But it does not always promise that we will be safe. It does not always promise protection from physical enemies in this life. But I tell you what God has promised, and this is so important. God has promised protection from spiritual enemies. Uh, simply means when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, he defeated all the spiritual enemies that they were. And he says, that's a protection that we are guaranteed this day, he says. And God actually tells us in his word what we need to do when we're under attack, when we're facing things of difficulty. What do we do? Explains the Bible, explains the Bible. When Paul says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. When the weapon is formed, it won't prosper because we do what the Bible teaches us to do. It explains the Bible. Paul says that here when he says to put on the armor so we can take a stand against the devil's schemes, the opposition that we're facing. Peter gives us the words, resist the devil and he will flee. He writes in one of his letters. Uh, even Jesus himself in the temptation before he goes out to fulfill the ministry that he's called to do. He says the devil tempts him three times. His response every time is the word of God, the word of God, the word of God. What does that teach us and help us with today? Well, we are given the tools there uh, to protect ourselves. We're given the tools by God to protect us in the battles that we face and the things that we have to go through. He says, how do we know, how do we show that we trust God? By simply using his defenses, by using the tools that are there uh, for us uh, to be able to simply protect ourselves and do this. We may be attacked. Um, and I've said this already this morning, and it's true, you know, the, the Christians will suffer as much as non-Christians do. Christians will lose their jobs. Christians will suffer poor health. Christians will be ill and end up in hospital. Christians may go bankrupt. Christians lose loved ones to death. He says all of the things that happen, and so we have to ask ourselves the question, well, in a sense, what, what is the advantage? What's the, the blessing of being a Christian? Well, it's this. He says, though we may not be promised protection from physical enemies, he says God has promised us protection from spiritual enemies. In the words that he's already spoken to Isaiah in lots of different places, he says, when you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. 
he says, when he tells Isaiah to tell the people that he has created them, he has redeemed them, he is with them. Those are the things that we hold on to and take a grasp of. But why? Because we are protected by hearing and speaking the truth from the word of God. God is our protector and protects us from these things. You see, we come to the point, actually, and, and we've often said this, that, that you know, we're looking for the new normal, in a sense. That, you know, when we look at church now, if a year ago I'd stood in front of church and said to them, I said, listen, in the next year, he says, we will have to do church online and then in the car park around the back of church. And then you can come to church, but you can't sit by anybody. Uh, and then actually you come to church, you can't sit by anybody and you have to wear a mask. Everybody would have looked at me like a man, but that's what's happened. And he says, what we do as a church is this, is, is, excuse me, is we simply we move, not with the times, but we, we see what God's doing and we follow God. He says, I, I am so glad we're part of a church that we've got the doors open. And we've simply said to people, listen, uh, the message we've had for years is come and take a seat with the rest of us who've got baggage and all those other things that are, 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 are wrong in our life or things that we're dealing with in our life. But we've got to change that a little bit because the doors are open now because the, the people need to hear that the church is very much alive. The easiest thing for us to do as a church at the moment is close the doors, have church in the house, Watch it on the TV. You can turn me off after 10 minutes if you don't like me when you watch it on the TV. But the right thing for us to do is to throw these doors open and let the people come in and where we spend time worshipping God, where we come round the table and we're blessed by remembering what he's done for us and then coming to be encouraged uh, by the word. This church is very much open and will stay open and I'm glad about that. Like he said, right, where am I here? I've lost myself a little bit late. I'm too excited. The third service is always a one that's on fire. <laughs> third service is always a one where I don't look at my notes. <laughs> God is at work and he works through all. There is no disease, weapon, attack upon his church and his people that God is not aware of already. We hold on to his promises today. There is nothing coming that would defeat his church for the promise has been written already. We wait the fulfillment of that promise. And though you may be feeling today that you're in a battle and you feel as though there may be those weapons formed against you, uh, the fear, the anxiety, the uncertainty and everything else that maybe is going on. God makes his tremendous promise about those weapons formed against you. They shall, they shall prosper. They shall not defeat you. You will not be overcome by them because of what Christ Jesus has done on the cross to secure the victory in your life. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today. Because, Father, the promise of your word is that, that there will be no weapon that's formed against us will prosper. Though we will face many challenges and obstacles, though we will face many difficulties, Father, none of them will defeat us. Because, Father, you are not just on our side, you are for us. And Father, though I don't know every circumstance and situation in this place, for these people, I just simply pray today, God, that you know what they're facing. And God, you are the overcomer. God, you know what's challenging them. And you, and you remain victorious because of your Son, Jesus Christ. God, you have made promises at last. And some of these promises have been fulfilled already. Some of them are being fulfilled now and some of them will be fulfilled. But God, you have promised us. And 
sit apart whether we have to wear a mask to come in and go out Father none of that makes any difference in worshipping you today because you are the God who was promised and you are faithful to your promises you are faithful in your promises and God we thank you for that today and God let that be a word that's spoken into the hearts of people that are gathered here today let us hold fast the confession of our hope for he who promised is faithful and we thank you for that today in Jesus name